Mark 10, 35 is probably going to be today one of the most forgotten subjects of the Christian church. I will raise my hand as a pastor and say I'm guilty of forgetting this important passage. That I have allowed things in my life to, to cloud what Jesus said was most important. What we're going to read here is what Jesus said was most important for us to be known by as Christians. Mark 10, 35. Can you say servant of all? Okay, look at your Bibles with us as we begin to read what Jesus taught his disciples. Mark 10, 35. It says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they asked, we, uh, we want you to do for us a favor, whatever we ask. Verse 36. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, those guys are pretty bold to do that, weren't they? They're walking up to Jesus asking if they can sit on his right and left in heaven. But how many know you and I would probably be asking that and a whole bunch of other stuff? Oh, come on. Y'all going to be crazy right now. Be honest with me. How many know you would be walking up to Jesus and say, Jesus, when we get up to heaven, can I have a big mansion? Jesus, when we get up there, can I go fishing all the time, catch big fish? We would be asking him something. These guys walked right up to Jesus. Jesus. When we get to heaven with you, can I be at your right hand and my brother be at your left hand? Oh, come on. We know we can relate to that type of thinking. Amen. It's all right to be honest in church. Uh, Verse 38, look what Jesus says. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup or be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? They said, we can. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These belong to those from whom they have been prepared. Now look in verse 30, uh, 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant, uh, in, indignant. Indignant. Thank you for helping me pronounce words again. Lord, help me. Indignant. Thank you. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Let's just stop right there. Why did they become mad? Do you think they, become, they, they became mad because these guys were so unholy that they would ask such a thing? I think they became mad because they were jealous that they didn't get to ask it first. I'm just kind of thinking what I would say. I'm like, man, dude, why is that guy asking that? I didn't think about that. You know, I, I'm, I'm being honest. I think that's what they were, they were thinking that. Because when Jesus begins to rebuke them, he doesn't just rebuke James and John. He starts to rebuke his disciples because they were getting mad at the wrong reasons. Verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Somebody say servant. Oh, come on. And whoever wants to be first must be the what? Slave of all. Slave of all. I'm using uh, another word that's a little bit more easier to handle, but servant and slave can actually be translated the same thing. In the King James, it says servant of all. We're going to read another passage where he says the word servant, but here it says slave. Listen to that. If you want to be first, you must be the slave of all. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to Serve. Come on, say it again. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I want to talk to you today about being a servant of all. How much is this lacking today in our church? 
And I'm going to start with us right here today, Metro Praise. How much have we lacked the heart of a servant? Now, first let me say this. I am proud of all the people that do serve. I am so proud that there's cafe workers, there's children workers right now in the back. I'm proud of the nursery workers because I could never change a diaper. And and now I'm going to have to learn and Jesus is going to have to help me, you know. But I just thank God for them. I thank God for the worship band. And you can hear me when I get in the Holy Ghost. You're like, Lord, help him. Take the mic from him because you know I can't sing, okay? I can't sing or sing. I can't do either. And I thank God for the band. I thank God for the youth workers. I thank God for everybody that serves. But listen to me. All of us need another lesson in servanthood. I just feel that in our youthful zealousness, because this is a young church. Some of us are not so young. I'm getting gray hair. Others of you are like, be quiet. You're you're still young because I'm old. But listen, listen to me. I think we all need another dose of servanthood because we're so on fire. We're so new. We're doing all these things. We're we're just, we're going for God. And I think so many times we're forgetting that we're supposed to be servants. The book that I wrote is called Disciples Making Disciples. So when you want to be a leader in our church, we teach you to be a disciple of Christ. You're going to be a leader and raise the dead and walk on water. But what about the servant? What about the one who's going to take out the garbage? What about the one who's going to drive the van? And I saw you today, David, as I was coming down, sister, you were going on there to get our friends from Ohio Park. Always good to see you guys here. Who's going to do that? My friends, I want you to hear my heart today as a pastor. I want us to be servants. God wants us to be servants. He wants us not just to do it because we have to. He wants us to do it because we want to, because we love it. One of the great men that I admire, Sergio Scatolini, uh, had a young, not a young man, but a young believer in his church. And this, this man is Carlos Nacondia. He's very known now for being a great evangelist. But at this time, he was just a new believer. But he was a very successful businessman when he got saved. He was about 40, in his late 40s. And he got saved. He had a lot of money, owned his own business. But he went to a church about this size. And the pastor that was there really loved God. And he believed that everybody should serve and help out. And he asked this man to help clean windows. And here's a man with his own business. You know, he can hire people to clean windows. But in the church, here he has to clean windows. And he began to clean the windows, and he says, he tells the story that he was with another woman. And it was her job to sweep. And she was just beginning to complain. And she was beginning to say, oh, these these kids come in here with their shoes, and they're dirty, and I have to sweep this up every week. And he was new to the church, you know, so he was just kind of hearing her complain, and he cleaned the window, and, you know, next week they were doing it again, and this woman's coming by. Oh, you know, look how many people this came this time, and they didn't wipe their feet again. I clean this every time. And then he began to ask God, is that the right heart? And God spoke this to him. He said, the woman should be thanking God that there were children with their feet in the church. And this awesome man of God began to say, Lord, never, never let my heart forget that I'm here to serve. And as he began to clean the windows, he said, Lord, thank you for these windows because they let your sun shine in here into our beautiful church. And he began to have his heart change. That man went on to preach revival services upwards of 100,000 in their soccer stadiums. He learned the principle. It's all about servanthood. It's not about us coming to church and just saying to ourselves, what's this church going to do for me? What's this church going to do for me? No, it's about us saying, I want to be a servant. I want to do something. 
I want you to think about the difference with me right now between a hotel and a house. How many have ever stayed in a hotel before? They're nice. We go on vacation. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone down to the hotel kitchen and started helping them make food? No. When I'm in a hotel, that's the last thing I think about. How about your towels? When you use your towel, are you one of those neat freaks that just put them all nice and neat? Or you just throw them right under the sink down there? Oh, come on, I just throw them under the sink. Most of the time they tell you to do it so they can change them. Do you ever take the vacuum cleaner from the, the maid and say, oh, let me do this and start vacuuming? No. Why? Because you're just visiting. Everybody say visiting. See, when you and I go to a hotel, we're thinking to ourselves, we're visiting. Now watch the correlation. Who does the vacuuming in your house? You do. Who does the cooking in-house? You do. Let me ask you a question. Is this your house or are you visiting? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Ding, there it went. Come on. You caught it. Point for pastor. There it is. Are you visiting or is this your house? Because if this is your house, you're just not going to wait for us to serve you all the time and do things for you. You're going to start saying, what can I do? Now, the beauty is, is that somebody will serve at the cafe, so you don't have to do a million things. You know, somebody will serve you there, but maybe you work in the nursery. Maybe, you, you know, vice versa. Uh, you'll work in the cafe, they'll work in the nursery. But you see, if this is your home, you take ownership in it. You, you take pride in it. You clean it. You work in it. And you become a servant. You see, Jesus wasn't so much turned off that James and John wanted to be first. He didn't say, don't have a desire to be great. No, no, no. What he said is, if you want to be great, this is how you do it. So you and I should have greatness in our hearts. We should want to be great for God. We should want to be a great church. We should want to have a great family. We should want to have great ministries. But how are we going to achieve that greatness? By lording over people, by dominating people, or by serving? Which way are we going to do it? By serving. I want you to turn with me now to Luke 17, 7. Are you visiting or is this your house? And if you are visiting, praise God. Pray that God would bring you to a house. And we're not the only one in the city. We may be the best, but not the only one. Praise God. But, you know, if it's your house, you love to serve. You love to help. I love that you love to help. I, I can see Jesus in so many of you here. And I'm not, this has nothing to do with like, Oh, he preached on tithing, so we all tithe. Now he's preaching on servant cooks, and nobody's doing that. No, we've been doing great at servant cooks. But I think when the Lord talks to me about things like this, it's to challenge us because there's tests coming ahead. There's going to be new seasons. There's going to be new seasons of growth. Amen. And I, I hear my sister, amen, in the loudest. And I want to encourage you because, you know, as that Latino ministry grows, you're going to be serving and serving and serving. But you'll be first because you'll be the servant of all. The youth ministry will grow and grow and grow, and we'll have a great youth ministry. Nothing wrong with greatness, but we'll be a servanthood ministry. Amen? Look at this parable with me, Luke chapter 17, verse 7. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. You just heard Jesus say that we should be the slave of all. Man, if that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. He didn't say, I want you to be the big daddy of all. I want you to be the greatest man of God of faith and power for the hour. He said, I want you to be the slave of all. Now, if that didn't settle in these men's hearts, listen to this parable he tells them. Starting in uh, verse 7. He says, suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after your sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper, 
get eat and drink, and after you have eat and drink, would he then thank the servant because he did what he was told? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Now let me just explain this story here. It's very simple. It's a very simple parable. Jesus is giving an example of what these people were very familiar with. In their time, in their culture, servants were not like the slaves we saw here in America. You know, the degrading of the African-American people. That's not what they had. Though at times they did mistreat, you know, uh, people in, in, in uh, different wars they would take as slaves. What Jesus is talking about here is a man that has a servant, somebody that we would call an employee. Many of these people, uh, the servant class at that time, were either people that uh, didn't have an education, this was a good job, like somebody like a house cleaning or a janitor, or it would be somebody that was in debt, and they had to pay back their debts, and to pay back their debt they had to be a servant. Now notice this, that Jesus is using this example to talk about who we are. So he doesn't paint this picture. And then let me just pause and say this. I definitely believe we're the head and not the tail. I believe we're blessed and not cursed. I believe that God says we're the first and not the last. Come on. I believe that God says we're more than conquerors. Okay, how many believe that? Amen? But I also believe this part of the Bible too. I also believe that we're supposed to be the slave of all. And I also believe that when he talks about how we're supposed to be, he compares us to a servant working out in the field for their master. And he says, when the servant comes in, after he's worked for his master, does he sit down and eat first? No. Bible says he still serves his master first. Then he sits down and eat. But the Bible says, does he then expect a thank you from his master? Don't even expect that. He just does it. And what does he say to himself? What does he put in his mind? He says to himself, I am an unworthy servant. The King James says it this way, an unprofitable servant. Let me say this. When you serve God, you're not doing him any favors. God doesn't owe you one thing. That's what he's saying. He's saying when you get up and you decide to come to church, I don't give you a hand clap and put a star next to your name. He says, I don't even have to tell you thank you. He's telling us that that's the way he looks at us people. I think so many of us got this thing backwards like, like Jesus is our sugar daddy in the sky. And that when we come to church, he's like, Wee, you came to church. You want a new car? Here it is. And he bribes us to do stuff for him. No, 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 no. He is saying, just like a servant says to themselves, I do this because I'm a servant. I don't get paid. I don't get thank yous. I do this because I'm a servant. He says this to you. You are a servant. He says, if you never get told thank you, you're still a servant. He says, if you never get paid, you're still a servant. Now, let me tell you what makes it worthwhile, because the devil's a wicked slave master, and some of y'all served him a long time, even though he never said thank you either. But let me tell you what's so good about our Jesus, is he died for you. He took your sins. He purchased for you your salvation, and is going to bring you to glory in heaven. So I think you and I can serve him. If we're going to serve anybody, it ought to be Jesus. So now let me ask you a question, and these, and these are just going to hit some of you in different ways. Let's talk about if we really serve unprofitably or if we serve to get a name. When you're asked to serve in the church, do you do what you're told? It says right here that this man comes in, and when he does what he's told, look what verse 10, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do. 
I love people who tell me that they're servants of God. They always tell me that before they leave our church or something with guns blazing. But I'm a servant of God. Do you do what you're told to do? And I love it when people want to spiritualize that. Well, I do what God tells me. I don't have to listen to anybody. That would be just like the master, uh, the slave saying to the master, I may be your servant, but I don't listen to what you tell me to do. I don't listen to that. Would that would be a good servant? Oh, it gets quiet when I start preaching like that. You can say amen or oh me, but it's coming either way. It's tight, but it's right. Come on. Somebody say a servant. Oh, you all getting quiet on me. It says right here. So when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say we are unworthy servants. My first question to you is, I know it's tough. I know it may not sound the most easiest thing to hear today. I know people have abused you in church or some of you have been hurt. But listen to me. Have you done what you're told to do? God says that we're supposed to follow instructions. Let me give you an example of this instruction. Turn with me to, uh, I believe it's Philemon, chapter 2, verse 19. Let me give you an example of how Paul compliments Timothy. And look what Paul says to Timothy. Well, before we go there, let me show you something about Paul first, because there's no big eyes and little use. Let me show you the type of man that Paul was. Turn with me to, uh, I believe it's Titus. Turn with me to Titus, and then we'll go to what he said about Timothy. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Come on. Paul, comma, what? Oh, good. My wife is in the house. Come on, somebody. Help me preach. Come on. Paul, comma, a a servant of God and a apostle of God. So you see, being a servant is just not like walking around like a monk with a shaved head up here going, oh, woe is me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. No. You can say who you are. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm a nursery worker. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm a teacher. I'm the best cook in the house. You know, you can, you can believe who you are, who God called you to be. We're not talking about having low self-esteem. Sometimes people take uh, low self-esteem as humility. No, that's just pride in disguise. When people are like, no, I'm so bad, and you've got to tell them how good they are. No, that's actually false humility. It's pride. Are you with me? So Paul knew who he was. He knew he was an apostle, but he knew before that he was a what? A servant. Okay, so Paul says, I'm a servant. Now go over here to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. And let's see the compliment that he pays his spiritual son, his disciple, Timothy, about his life and how he knew Timothy. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. So who's going to send Timothy? Paul's going to send him. You see, you've got to have order in the church. I'm not just saying, I'm not up here saying that, you know, you've got to tie your shoe and wait for us to tell you to tie your shoe. God giving you common sense. He's given you a mind and a brain. We understand that. We're not here to control you. But I'm just here to be honest with you that a pastor should be able to send you somewhere. Come on, somebody. Can you help me preach today? I said a pastor should be able to send you somewhere. This one woman kept coming up to Young Ji Cho in Korea. Uh, this wonderful uh, Korean woman kept coming up to David Cho, the pastor of the world's largest church, over a million members. And she said, Pastor, I'm called of God. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. He told her to get trained. She went through all the classes. She got trained up. She came right back to, to David Cho. He said, I've got to do something. i got to do something. And he said, you want to do something? I'm going to send you to Japan to start a church. 
She said, I didn't want to do that. I thought I would do something here in Korea. He said, no, God told me that you're supposed to go and start a church in Japan. He bought her a one-way ticket to Japan. She didn't even speak the language. I'm telling you the truth. He sent her. You see, God can use people to send you. She trusted her pastor, though. She comes over to Japan, one-way ticket, enough money to survive one month. She gets in her house, has no clue what to do or to say, and she begins to pray and fast and doesn't leave her house. She doesn't even leave. She starts to pray. She starts to fast. She's crying out to God. She's weeping and crying. The landlord, after about a week, comes to the door and knocks on the door. Another woman who is landlord knocks on the door and speaks Korean. Wow, that's awesome. And begins to talk to her and say, what are you doing? I'm hearing you scream and holler. I haven't even seen you since you've been here. She tells her, I've been sent here by my pastor to start a church. And I don't know how to start a church. All I know how to do is pray. She then talked about Jesus to the landlord. The landlord got saved. Within about six months, people got saved and got saved and got saved. Eventually, she sent a letter to her pastor. And she said, Pastor, you have to come and visit us. Pastor Cho, like I said, Hundreds of thousands of members, largest church in the world. He says to himself, I'm too busy. I I can't come to Japan for a home Bible study. He writes back to her, no. She writes back another six months later, you've got to come and visit us. You've got to come visit us. He says, no, another six months later. Uh, Basically, a year goes by. She then puts in the letter, Pastor, there's now 5,000 believers. You have got to come. They want to meet their pastor. She just told him, I was sent by my pastor to start a church here. But God blessed it. That story is true. I'm telling you, God will bless us when we follow him. I remember when I was in Bible college and I was deliberating, you know, to go over here to Mexico and work with David Hogan and plant churches or to stay in New Orleans. And you see, I was in this cloudy season. And there's so many times that we get into those places where we could do A or B and it's like it's a little cloudy. Those are the perfect opportunities to be a servant and to let a man of God or woman of God speak into your life. I'm not talking about, like I said, go sell everything, go move on the farm and drink Kool-Aid type stuff. I'm just saying, you know, I'm like, is it Mexico or is it New Orleans? I sat down with my pastor. He said, it's New Orleans. I thank God he told me that because I planted a church there. We saw souls saved there. It was fruitful there. And then I was talking to my other, uh, my mentor, and I said to him just recently, I said, why is it so many times I talk to these young adults and they're in between and they're in between and they have a hard time listening to me? You know, what's the difference? And he said, trust. He said, there's a certain trust that you get from hearing God alone in a prayer closet. There's another trust that you get listening to a pastor who's been alone in a prayer closet. And here's the thing. We're not talking about the Pope and being dependent upon people. We're talking about being servants. There has to come a time where my wife trusts me. She may not hear every word from God about our family. She has to trust. There comes a time in a church where people are, you know, I don't know what to do. Do I go to A or B? They have to trust. That's why you're here. Look what Paul said. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So Timothy was willing to go. Now here's verse 20. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Now, for Paul to say that word, no one, he must have been struggling with some people up in that place he was pastoring. He said, I only got one. Guys, let's just be honest. You know that if we only saw a church with one member doing the right thing, we would say, man, I feel sorry for that pastor. 
But you see, Paul had such a high standard of what it was like to be a disciple that when he looked around, he said, okay, we need to send somebody to the Philippi church. Okay, I need to send somebody there I trust. I, they're not going to try to take the church over when they get there. I need somebody that's going to love these people. Who can I send? Can I send Bob? No, I can't send Bob. Can I send Gary? No. Can I send Margaret? No. Timothy. No one else like him. He comes early. He stays late. He gives when there's no offering taken up. He just gives out of his heart. He prays when there's no prayer meeting. He preaches when there's no pulpit with a microphone. He's just radical. Oh, I'm going to send him. He says, there's nobody else like him. He actually cares about you. Look at verse 21. For everyone looks out for his what? Oh, come on, help me preach. Everyone looks out for his own interest. What's the opposite of a servant, a master? Oh, it's all about me, 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 myself, and I. How many people come to the church today with that attitude? What are you going to do for me? My name is Jimmy, and I'll take all you can give me. Me, 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 me. And then we have pastors that, that feed that, that self-esteem in people. Like, it's all about you. It's all about you. Here's a book about you. Here's seven steps to your prosperity. It's all about you. We'll start and end on time because it's all about you. We're going to do this and this and this because it's all about you. And they make it so much about the person that, it's all about me. You listening to me? And you try to ask that person to serve. Oh, no. Me? Serve? I'm telling you, I've seen it. They come to the church and they act like, you know, it's all about them. That somehow the, these garbages are going to be empty, floors are going to be vacuumed, children are going to be taken care of by angelic beings. They're going to sit in the church and just watch and make sure I do my job. Carry on, Pastor. Carry on. No. Timothy stood out. Because he didn't just look at his own interests, but those of Christ Jesus. Verse 22, but you know that Timothy has what? Proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Man, I can preach all that. Man, there's some work in the gospel, people. We've got to work to get souls saved. We've got to work to get the drug addict off the street. We've got to work to get the Latin community in here. We've got to work to put this thing in order. I want to know, is there anybody here that wants to prove themselves faithful in the work of Jesus Christ? Does anybody want to be great for God? Come on, Jesus, make me a servant. Make this church a house of servants. He said there's nobody else like him. He stands head and shoulders among the people. Why? Because he serves with me. He works with me. He looks after the interests of the people. God wants a church of servants. Not people that just come to take and visit, throw their, you know, their towels under the sink. He's looking for people that want to roll up their sleeves, get down in the nitty gritty, and start winning some souls with Jesus. You know, you look at the life of Jesus. Look what he went through. There's actually an old uh, Christian woman that wrote a song, Have You No Scars. That was her song. Could you imagine us singing that today? Especially in these Pop-Tart churches where it's all about me, me, me. Her song was, Where Are Your Scars? And what her point was, Jesus walked the earth and he was scarred on his brow. Where are your scars? When Jesus walked the earth, they spit and knocked him down. Where are your scars? And then she says, you must not have walked with him very far because you don't share in his scars. Because if you walk with Jesus very 
far you'll share in his scars. You will feel mistreated. You will feel abused. People will use you. People will take your transportation, not thank you for it, and then ask you to come ten minutes later so that they can spend more time at home. They will use you in the church. There will come people that just come in and out. They'll take the cup of coffee and drink and just ask for another and demand and never say thank you. But you and I are not here to, to be dictators back to them. We are here to serve. And we're not here to argue amongst each other and to say, no, you do it, you do it, it's your turn. We're here to say, we are the servants. I want to be great, God. I'll go get the garbage again. I'll go clean the windows again. I'll go out witnessing again. If nobody will do it, I'll take it as another opportunity to prove myself that I've come to work for Jesus. Oh, come on, Jesus. Thank you for your amens because I know it's touching hearts. Let us all be challenged. Turn with me now to Romans. We talked about it in our Sunday school, the last chapter of Romans Romans chapter 16, look at the, the, uh, the difference here between Paul's church, where he was writing from in Philippi. Uh, he was writing to the people in Philippi. I, I don't remember what city he was in, but wherever city he was in, there was only one. But now look at what he talks about the people of Rome. This is how I want our church to be. If I was to send an email to, to you on, if I was on a vacation or a mission trip, and I was writing an email to Ish, and I was saying, Ish, tell the Tell the workers in the church these things. Look what he says. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? Amen. I commend you. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a what? Servant of the church. Just mark in your Bible how many times servant and work is mentioned in these next verses. I I commend to you our sister Phoebe. She's a servant in the church of uh, um, Centria. Thank you. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a worthy way of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. Wasn't Phoebe awesome? Don't you want to be a Phoebe? Come on, ladies. Come on, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Here's a married couple. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Come on, don't some married couples here want to have some work done for the Lord that people will be grateful that you did it? Verse 5, greet also the church that meets in their house. How many want church in their home? Small groups, come on. Greet my dear friend E, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who what? Worked very hard for you. Greet her. He's like saying, guys, hey, in Rome, make sure you tell Mary thank you. She's worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Greet A, who I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, my friend S. Greet Apelius, who is this guy? Tested in what? Approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of A. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet T and T. Those women who what? Work hard in the Lord. You would hardly believe I'm in seminary. Glad my professors aren't listening. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has what? Worked very hard in the Lord. Come on, are we getting the point here? I don't need to go on. Are we getting it? Paul... It will spare me right now. <laughs> Paul said these people worked hard. They served. 
I could name those of you who work hard. And, and I could make you feel really good. Like, oh, man, Pastor knows I've worked hard. But listen, I want all of us to go to another level. I want all of us to feel that we can do more, not in the sense that we're working for our salvation, not in the sense where we're condemning ourselves. You know, I don't do enough, and we're telling you, you don't do enough. Work harder, boy. You know, pray. You know, like till 3 in the morning, pray. You know, like you're rowing, pray, you know. Sorry, that's just funny to me, the little row thing. No, we're not going to do it that way. What I want to see here is your passion. What are you passionate about? Whatever you're passionate about, I want to see you go after. And I want to see you take the steps to get there because not everybody goes from the pew to the pulpit. There's going to be steps in between. There's going to be processes that you go through. The first question I asked you, are you doing what you're told? That's how you know if you're a servant. Now when it comes to you being a leader and working hard, let me ask you another question. Do you want to leave, uh, do you want to lead to serve or do you want to lead to be served? Think about that. Pastor, I want to be a leader because then I can tell everybody else to clean up. They taught us in Bible college. It's one thing to be a servant when you're being told to do everything. It's another thing to be tested as a servant when you're the one doing the telling. Because instantly people's pride just comes out. Oh, now I'm, now I'm the man. I'm going to take it out on everybody else now. Do you want to lead? We want you to lead. I want you to be a worker for the Lord. I want all of our church members to be this right here. I wouldn't be a pastor if I didn't believe it. I want us to say we've worked hard for the Lord. It doesn't say here that somebody sang good in the choir. It doesn't say that they were, you know, just, you know, a good old buddy that played good nine holes of golf with their pastor and let them win every now and then. No, it didn't say that. What he was saying here is they worked, they worked, they worked. There's work in the church. Do you want to do that work so you can be served? Or do you want to do the work so you can serve? I remember when we first got this building, it was just, you know, a handful of us. Jessica uh, Bell probably remembers that. I remember coming in here and these floors were dirty. And God help us, I want to change these tiles. And those are things that we're trying to, to do right now. It's just keep beautifying the place. But I remember coming in here, and this used to be a dollar store. And before that, it was a restaurant. And I remember just seeing all this junk on here. And it was late at night, and we were going to have our Wednesday Bible study. It was Tuesday. And I said to myself, I can't present this to our church. You know, ten people, I can't present this to them. I took out the razor blade, and on my hands and knees, I started at one corner of the building and went up and down every single row of these tiles and scraped off all the gunk that was there. And I'm not doing that for a little pat on the back. Good job, Pastor. I'm doing that to say, see, you know a servant because he gives when nobody else is looking. They give when there's no... No offerings. That's, listen to what I'm saying. See, it's, it's one thing to give when people are saying it's time to give now, but God's looking for people to give when there's no asking of it, when they just give it out of their heart. Do you know that when Jesus walked the earth, he was limited in his humanity, and the Bible says that he was amazed at times. So it doesn't mean like he walked around going, I'm expecting this, I'm expecting that. The Bible says people actually amazed Jesus. You know some of the people that amazed him the most were the ones that were the most broken and most humble. They amazed him. He said, Jesus said I, he was amazed at the centurion's faith who said, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. I'm a man under authority, and I have authority. You see, he understood the principle, and he knew that Jesus was the boss, and that if Jesus commanded things to go, they would leave. See, he understood servanthood. He understood authority. He said, that's my boss, and if Jesus says on this planet anything, it's got to happen. And the Bible says that Jesus stood back amazed at this man's faith. You see, God is blessed when we go out of our way to serve people. Amen. Are you leading to serve or are you wanting to lead so you can be served? 
Turn with me now to Philippians 2, verse 4. Let's look at our example in Jesus. I know you guys are shouting me down. We're having fun. But today you can just tell it's not like the same messages that we may preach that get us all excited to run out the door and do something great for God. It's one of those messages you're saying amen. But at the same time, it's like amen, ouch, amen, ouch. It's, oh, it's like it's getting tight, you know. It's like it's like stepping on your toes. But that's a good thing because we love the Lord and we love his word, amen. We don't resist it. We accept it. But thank you for listening. I want you to hear what to me is probably one of the greatest parts of our Bible and our New Testament. It was actually a hymn of the New Testament church. It's uh, called the Corpus Christi. Uh, and what that means is it describes Christ and how he became man. It's also what we call the it's a hypostatic union. But in theological terms, it's also called the kenosis. The word kenosis in the Greek means self-emptying. When he gets to the part where he emptied himself of his uh, divine nature, what that means is God became man. And this is a very important text, but what it's going to teach us is the heart of a servant. Somebody say a servant. Look at verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5, your attitude. Somebody say your attitude. What are we talking about today, my friends? Your We're talking about our what? Attitude. Thank you. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Remember before he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to what? Serve. Thank you. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. That's the kenosis. He emptied himself, taking the very nature of a being made in human. Do you know that human beings are in the likeness of servants? We think like we're in the, li- the likeness. We know we're going to be kings and queens in one sense, but we think it, us to God like we're his king. No, 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 no. God's not our little servant that we're going to beckon. Hey, God, I need a miracle. About 3 o'clock, you're running a little late. That's a lot of times what people call their prayer time. Hey, God, it's my life. You've got to do it my way right away. No, no, no. The Bible says when he looks at us, you know what he sees in us? He sees us wearing that little apron, like the, the thing that like, people wear when they're barbecuing or something. It says, like, kiss the chef. You know, like, he looks at us and he says, what are you going to cook up for me? What are you going to do for me? You look like a servant. You look just like a servant. You're a human. You look just like a servant. That's why I made you to serve me. What are you going to do for me today? The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount upon wings as eagles. They'll run and not faint. They'll walk and not grow weary. You see, waiting on the Lord like a waiter taking care of God. God, what do you want? What do you need? How do you want us to praise and worship you? It's not about our half hour before we catch the football game. It's about what you want today. What's, what, we're here to serve you, Jesus. You come up to Jesus with your little apron on, your waiter, however you want to look at yourself, a little chef cooking up something good for Jesus. However you look at it, you're coming up to Jesus saying, how may I help you today? What can I do for you, Lord? Do you want me to pray and intercede for lost souls because you care about them today? Do you want me to spend time with my family? I am your servant. Somebody say servant. Jesus became a servant, being made in the likeness of the the humans who are servants. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. See, it takes humility. And became obedient to what? Even death on a cross. Everybody listen to me now. Do you know that God asked some of his apostles to die? See, it gets quiet again. It gets quiet again. It's okay. I'm going to keep preaching. Jesus was asked by the Father. Here was the message that came. Email, text. I don't know how they did it. Maybe just spoke to his heart. You got a message, okay. From the Father. Dear Jesus, I want you to die today on the cross. That's why he was on his knees in Gethsemane praying, God, if it's any other way, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Come on, somebody. You've got to first hear it from God. 
I'll tell you the biggest people, the biggest problems I have with people in the church with their attitudes are those that don't know how to take it from God. Because if you don't know how to listen to God in your own prayer closet, you're not going to listen to me. But the people that I hear follow us the best and follow the, the rules of the church, go forward and serve and help and win souls, are the ones that need to learn to hear from Him. When I was in Bible college, man, I was kicking and squealing and screaming all the way my down self to humility. All the way down to humility. It's like, ah! For the Lord to break me, it was just like a like a, the, the the pig the flesh ah, squealing. And then finally, after I dropped out of college and I was driving home from Bible college, going, I told them a thing or two. God says, "You leave now. It's over." I'd only been saved a year. I thought I knew it all. I told my professors how to do it the right way. They said, "Son, you better get out of here with that attitude or get right." And I said, well, I'm getting off this train right now. And God said to me at the gas station, some of you have heard it. We wrote about it in our discipleship book. God said to me, you quit now. Your ministry is done. Right here. It's over. And when I came back, and I was literally on my knees cleaning the toilets in our Bible college, the professor came up to me who had given me that punishment. And he had said to me, he said, do you enjoy what you're doing? And I said, I love it with all of my heart. I said, I love it with all of my heart. He walked away and said, okay. A year later, he didn't even tell me then. A year later, he said, I knew that's when God changed you. Didn't mean I became a perfect little angel after that. There's still little, eh, little squeals every now and then. You know? That's how I knew I changed. You know how I can tell when people change in this church? Not just by how high they jump, how loud they shout, but it's how they walk as a servant. It's when I start seeing them hanging around late and asking if they can do something when they're not even being asked. When I start seeing them say, Pastor, you know, I'll lead when you tell me I'm ready. I'm not going to force it. And I can see that they trust us because we don't want to give them it ahead of time. And I see them wait for God to, to bless them. You understand? I can see servanthood in them. They're not trying to do it in the flesh. They're not trying to be a Lord. I watch them from the, the background. I'll see how they talk to other people in the church when they're being asked to do an assignment. And I say, go get you and Bob and clean up something. I watch how they treat Bob when they get over there. That's how you know somebody's been changed. And this is why this message needs to be preached in our church today. Because you know what? We've been focusing so much on the shout, the jump, the holler, the preach, the witnessing, that I think a lot of us have forgotten, including myself, to be servants again. I'm here to be a servant. I'm here to serve with you. We're here to work together. I'm here to do everything I can for you, everything possible, including answering a text message from Andrew at 2.30 in the morning. What's wrong with you, boy? But he knows I was up, man. My schedule is so weird right now. I'm writing a book, and the Islam, you're going to get it pretty soon. we got to be ready to serve. Everybody say serve. Therefore, verse 9, what was Jesus' reward? He was told to die. Yes, Father, I'll die. I'll do it for you. Verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. See, it's okay to want to be great for God. But the first will be last, and the greatest among you will be the what? The slave of all, the servant of all. God exalted him to the highest place. Gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Can you say amen? amen. Would you stand up with me, please, today? Number one, are you visiting or is this your house? Rachel, would you come, please? Number two, you know you're a servant when you do what you're told to do. Number three,
Do you want to lead? Do you want to be great so that you can have servants under you? Or do you want to become great for God that you can become a greater servant? So many times, and I'm just telling you stories from what I've learned, that we see ministry in in a way that God doesn't see it. We see the healings and the miracles. He sees the cross. We see the ministry as, man, crossovers tonight. I get to share my testimony. I can't wait for everybody to see how radical I am. But Jesus is looking at your heart. Are you going to testify for him? You know, I, I, I need to remind myself of that. The first one I preach to today is Jesus. The first one that I'm pastoring for is Jesus. Man, I love pastoring you. I do. I love it when you come up to me and you say, Pastor, you're great. You do a great job. I love telling you guys you do a great job. And around here, you're not going to get very far without being told thank you and we love you a whole bunch of times. We love to drop love bombs. Amen? We drop love bombs all over you. You might even want to, like, push us back a little bit. Sometimes you'll just, like, see me embracing ish, and you'll be like, that's weird. Maybe David and Jonathan embraced like that. John laid his head on Jesus' bosom. Come on. They had to be close. Ninety-nine names are found for Allah in the book of the Quran. Not one of them is friend. Jesus says, you're my servants, but I go one step further. I call you friend. He could say that to them because they had learned that he served them. When Jesus got down to wash their feet, Peter said, don't wash my feet. He says, I have to. Remember that? Remember when he came to John the Baptist to be baptized? John said, this is nuts. I'm baptizing the Messiah? Man, baptize me in that fuego right now. (laughs) Set me on fire, Jesus. What? We got this thing backwards. Jesus said, I got to do it. It's part of my fulfilling righteousness. My father told me, get baptized. Amen, Father, I'm getting baptized today. Where's your heart? Jesus had the heart of a servant. I want our church to get to the point where we sincerely say to ourselves, when we see a problem, we don't complain, but we become a solution. I'm going to say that again. I want our church to get to the point that when we see a problem, we don't complain, but we become the solution. If we did a little illustration of this, it would be so easy. Listen, this will change your life if you've never heard this before. If I did this illustration right now, it would be be mind-blowing, but I'll just give you the example. If I say, get in groups, two-on-two, you know, one-on-one, two people in a group, look at each other and tell each other all the things you don't like about each other and just be brutally honest. People say, I don't have anything to say. Be honest. And I'll say, okay, I don't like this, this, and this. I remember you came late that one day. People could just tell you how it was. Let's just be honest. People get broke down, start crying. I never knew you felt that way. That would be so easy. But now watch. Then if I said, now fix it. Now fix those problems. It gets hard. How do I fix it? All I do is point out their problems, Jesus. I point out people's problems. How do I fix it? I tell somebody they're late. I tell somebody this and that. I preach to them. I tell them they're all going to hell. But what am I supposed to do to fix it? See, a servant serves. When they see a problem, they don't complain. They just don't shout out insults. They say, Lord, if I see that problem, that must be I'm the solution. 
You know, if, there, if there's a problem with the cafe, join the cafe team. If you see something that can be done differently in the evangelism, join the evangelism team. If you think that you can sing or play better than the most greatest people up on the planet up on this thing, then come join the worship team. Come on, be the solution. The servant says, I'll fix it. My heart today is for a church that wants to lead for the right reasons, that wants to make this place their home, that when they see a problem, they want to be the solution, and they do it all as a servant. And when the day is done, all right, guys, we'll see you next time. Don't need to hear thank you. Don't need to receive money. I pastored this church for years without receiving anything. I just finally started receiving a housing allowance. Three and a half years just receiving a housing allowance. There was times I didn't receive anything. Started the church with my own bank account. Come on, somebody. Nobody was even there to tell me thank you. Thank you, Joe, for putting money in the church bank account. It wasn't even a church. I gave when nobody was looking. That's for you, God. Went out witnessing when nobody was witnessing. No evangelism ministry. Nobody was there to encourage us. Let's go witnessing. And I know many of you have that same heart, and I'm not here to say I'm the greatest servant among you. I'm just saying I'm reminding myself today. I want to be a servant again. I want to be more of a servant. I want you to be more of a servant. I want you to blow me away with your servanthood. I want you to blow each other away. I want us just to rock each other's world with love and servanthood. I want us to see how Christ sees this world. He sees it as a place He serves. He died for them. He died for us. What will you do for us? What will you do for this world? We want this community center right over here. We want to serve. I want, we're giving it away for free. It's all free. It's always been free. That's the way our church is. F-R-E-E free. It's never costing you anything. I want people here to come up with new ministries to find ways to serve people. Serve people in nursing homes. Serve people by doing yard work. Serve people by giving them rides to church. Serve the Adopt-A-Block. Serve 20 million neighborhoods in this city. Serve the college campuses. What can we do for you? What can we do for you? We're here for you. I want to just read one more scripture in closing. Timothy, in, in the last days, he said in 2 Timothy, if you have your Bible, you can hold it up and do it. We, we, we read this all the time about the last days, but this is one of the things we don't hear, and it just sticks out to me today. 2 Timothy 3, he says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Me. Me, me. Do you know that America spends so much money on themselves right now? Do you know that there's things right now you're probably saying, if I had this, I would be happy? But think about the thing two years ago. You said, if I had that, I would be happy. And now you're still not happy. When will we wake up? It's not about us. It's not about us. That's why I love parenting. Because you realize if a good parent has a child, they realize it's not about them anymore. But we all need to wake up to that in the gospel. It's not about us. God wants to do something through us. 
Tommy Barnett, the pastor of the awesome church in Los Angeles, the Dream Center, and a great church in Phoenix with over 300 ministries. We have six ministries. They have 300 ministries. Ministries to the homeless, ministry to the, the, the cripple, the lame, ministry to bikers, ministry to this red-headed stepchildren that feel lost and abandoned in Alabama. Sending them gifts of love. They have a ministry for everything. This is what he said. If you see a need, fill it. If you see a hurt, heal it. Go. People will be lovers of themselves. Can we break that spirit over this generation today? Let's pray. Father God, we ask you to break that spirit of pride and loving ourselves today. Father God, we ask for the heart of a servant. God, we ask that we would become the servant of all, Lord. We want to love you, Jesus. We want to serve you, Lord. Come on, just lift up your voices. We want to be like you, Jesus. Give us a heart to serve. Take away the pride, Lord. Take away the pride in us. Break us again on the cross, Jesus. Oh, show us Calvary, Lord. Oh, God, we, we want the crown but not the cross. We want the crown but not the cross, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we want the crowd, but we don't want the compassion. Lord, forgive us. Would God change our heart to the cross? Change our heart to compassion. Oh, God, there's too many crowds. There's too many people going after the crown. Jesus, start with me, the pastor of this church. Oh, God, break me again. Humble me again. I want compassion. I want the cross. Jesus, if you need to get right with God, you can come up right now. If you're in this place and you don't have a right relationship with God, you can come get saved. And then the rest of us, if you just want God to do a work in your heart to make you a servant, just join me up at this altar. We won't belabor the service, but let us come in agreement today. Let us pray today. Let us covenant with our God. We will serve. We will serve you, God. We will serve you, Lord. Listen, man, if you're visiting, go visit another church. Go wherever you're called to go and then come back if this is where you're supposed to be. But listen to everybody here that calls this their house. Come on, ask God. Give me a heart, Lord. Give me a heart of a servant, Lord. Come on, we know you called us. We don't got to go visit it anymore. We don't got to check for more emails to see if we got a different location to go. This is where we are. This is where you planted us. Live or die, we'll serve you here. Come on, come on, come on. Some of you want to be missionaries. Just like Vanessa was praying this morning. You can't ask God to send you to Africa until you serve here. Every ministry, every leader, serve, serve. When we see it as he sees it, we'll do it as he did it. When we see it the way he sees it, we'll do it the way he does it. Give us the eyes to see what you see the way you see it. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, let's just give God 60 more seconds. 
60 more seconds. We know he's here. We don't got to beg him. We'll just tell him what we want. It's according to his will. We know we receive it. Come on, God. God, we ask for it. You said pray for laborers. We pray for them now. We pray that they be servants. Oh, God, make me the servant of all. I want to be great in the kingdom of God. I want to be Timothy. I want to be Timothy. God, I want my pastors. I want people that know me to point to me and say there's no one like Joe. He loves God. He loves Chicago. Send them. Send them. Send them to another place. Send them to Africa. You can trust him. You can trust him. God, I pray you find people here that we can send to Bible studies. We can send them to new new locations because, God, they proved themselves faithful when even nobody else did maybe their friends left the church with with the attitude but god they kept the attitude of a servant and you blessed them because when they served when nobody was looking they gave when nobody was asking they preached when there wasn't a pulpit god they did it for you Grace of servants, servants, servants. Break the pride. Break that spirit of loving ourselves. We love ourselves too much, oh God. Let us see ourselves the way you do. We're a servant before we're an apostle. We're a servant before we're a singer. We're a servant before we're a youth pastor, a youth leader, a small group leader. We are servants. Jesus. Jesus. Now, Lord, let us apply these messages everywhere we go on our jobs. Let's be the servant of all on our jobs. Let's be the servant of all of our homes, of our families, of our communities. Let's pick up other people's trash when they litter. Let's let them cut us off when they're, when they're being rude to us in, in traffic, oh God. Let them have the line, the place in line, God, when they cut in front of us. Oh God, I'd rather be wronged and be right with you than to be right in my own eyes and be wrong with you. God, I want to stand out from this world. I want to stand out. I want to be great. God, these up here want to be great. God, we want you to write us down in your book and talk about us like Paul talked about Mary. She worked hard. Urbanus worked hard. Priscilla and Aquila, they gave it their all. They opened their house up to it for these years. We can't do it without you. I feel Jesus today. Just like with Elijah, sometimes he doesn't come with the earthquake and the fire. Sometimes he comes with the still, small voice. And he just says, do you trust me? then follow and obey. If you trust me, then follow and obey. Come on. Jesus, I'm going to pass this mic around. Three people that you don't have to pray all day. You don't have to tell us what you're going to do for the next 20 years. Just quickly tell the Lord right now. Say, Lord, I'll be a servant and do blank. Just tell God what you're going to do. Say, God, I covenant with you. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z in your name. Whatever you got to say, I want you to say it publicly today. Some of you just got to let it out. God, I'll serve you. Come on.